nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin. I'm joined today by Seth. And uh, we're going to talk about a terrible, awful, no good Austin FC week where we were knocked out of the U.S. Open Cup against the Chicago Fire uh, and the difficult to spell Kaspar Prisbilko um, and a tough, another late loss uh, to a Copa Tejas rival. This time it actually counted, but uh, let's kick it off early. We're recording on Memorial Day. It should be a nice day out. Uh, Seth, how are you feeling? Um, lots of suffering and little joy. Okay, well, we're going to get plenty of suffering in today, so um, let's start with something nice. Do you have fun plans today? Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to go out. It is lovely up here in Chicago. Uh, yesterday, I got, got up to Wrigley, and for those of you on Slack, got to see, could see multiple hot dogs. It was a, in the red swept the Cubs, so we can all cheer in the Cubs being the worst team in the National League, because someone else needs to suffer as well. Yeah, Cubs being terrible is uh, is always something that's good for me, and I guess FC Cincinnati is rubbing off on the Reds a little bit. I saw at least four people in FC Cincinnati gear at Wrigley yesterday. That's impressive. That, that, it is impressive. It is. I mean, supporters, I mean, 33 points. Like that. I mean, we'll talk about joy there for a second. I mean, the FC Cincinnati, what they are doing right now, obviously they did, didn't, we're not in CCL this year. They are still in the open cup, but they're rotating squads. They're figuring out things. And they actually have a defense, which for the first four years of them being in the league, they did not have. And they've, I mean, gotten rid of Brenner at this point. He's already off to Italy. And, like, they're pulling this off, and it's utterly remarkable to watch. So that means that they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, they won last year when they shouldn't have, so they'll lose this year when they should. Yep. That's that's exactly how it works. Yeah. Welcome to MLS. Yes. Uh, I guess the other good news we had from this weekend is it's uh, wrapping up time in Europe and uh, tiny Luton Town, which has a stadium of about 11,000 people that even the Houston Dynamo might be able to sell out, um, has been promoted to the Premier League. And uh, I know Bournemouth has kind of like a fun little, oh, isn't this a nice little beach trip um, type of ground? This is like something out of a straight movie set where you ha- the uh, visiting fans have to enter between like two flats and... You have to go down some basically scaffolding in order to to get to certain sections. So uh, this is a, a true tiny, uh, tiny uh, attic. I, 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 as our away travel organizer, I'm very <laughs> disappointed that I do not, will not ever get to organize a trip to Kenilworth Road to run a full away end there. That's also good. I have to imagine that's going to be the most expensive ticket in the Premier League next year because Luton is in greater London. It's, I think, one of the Ryanair airports um, for the city. So, And they're going to eventually build a more modern, actually probably MLS style ground, like a 20,000 seater in another part of the town. But it is no going to a match at Kenilworth Road. I have a good friend who has been a Luton fan for at least six, seven years now since they were in League Two. And um, he was over, over the moon on Saturday. Good. I uh, I was happy to, I always kind of root for newer teams. So I was like, okay, either Coventry or Luton. And then when we got to game day, it was, it was all Hatters all the time. And they, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, they have an absolutely adorable crest. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons to root for them, except uh, I'm sure when Liverpool or Arsenal have to go there and get the shit kicked out of them, we're going to hate them. But um, for now, let's uh, enjoy the uh, 
the nice Cinderella story. And uh, I wanted to do a little perspective on this too. Uh, Seth, how big is our uh, supporter section? Our supporter section holds 3,400 places. Okay, so our supporter section is 3,400. Whole stadium is about 2,100. Um, so 20, it's about- 21,000. 21,000, yeah. Uh, so it's about half the size of Q2 or about, uh, I guess, a little over three supporter sections. The other big game, which had a less fun result, but uh, was in Dortmund, uh, who had a chance to win and take the Bundesliga crown. But um, for those of you who have never experienced the yellow wall, uh, imagine the Austin FC supporters section, except it's 25,000 people. Yeah. So and if you guys guys get a chance to uh, to watch a game uh, at Signal Iduna Park next year, definitely do it. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I'm still figuring it out, and it depends on um, a bunch of things in life, but I'm hoping to do a Germany trip at some point, October, November, and spend seven to 10 days going to six or seven matches. As I think most listeners of the podcast know, I'm a big SC Freiburg fan. And Freiburg was 15 minutes away from their first ever Champions League appearance on Saturday. Results were going their way. They were leading in Frankfurt. Union Berlin had was nil-nil. But then um, Freiburg gave up two goals. Union scored. And they, weren't gonna, they honestly didn't deserve to make Champions League. Um, but it will be um, – I'm, they're still going to make Europa League for the second straight season, which is outstanding for a team with a tiny budget. But they've opened a new stadium since I studied abroad there in college, so I'm hopefully going to make it over there at some point this fall for a match if my membership ever gets approved because in Germany your membership has to be renewed every year through emails and they have to send it back to you in the post and then you have to do a bank transfer because why can you just pay with a credit card in four minutes like you can for every other club? But they're Germans. Yeah, it's not like, you know, Frankfurt is a major banking hub or anything. Yeah, I mean, and, and like Freiburg is run by a bunch, uh, like, it's an entirely fan-owned team, but yet, like, the president was a uh, lead consultant at Ernst & Young for 15 years before this. It's not like they aren't in modern times. They have a 34,000-seat stadium that could host any venue, host any competition. <laughs> Well, um, you know, you'll just have to win Europa League next year and then um, get to go to a Champions League game. Yeah, well, I mean, it, hey, even though you're, I've been to Europa League qualifying before. I've never actually been to a main Europa League match, so that would um, be a, another box to check off. Good, good. And uh, I'm sure some listeners are going, why the hell are you guys talking about all this stuff? Because we don't want to talk about the Austin FC games this week, but I guess we're going to have to do that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. some people want to talk about that. So, I mean, we're, I don't know if we want to do like kind of game by game. Let's kind of broad brush the Chicago fire game. Cause like not a lot happened. There's not a ton of like tactics to go over or anything like that. We gave up kind of a silly goal that in this stadium live, it looked like it was really easy for Stuber to like, just kind of walk over and grab this. I don't know if the TV showed something different. The t- the t- watching it on TV, it wasn't um, anywhere near as it was, it, it happened far like in the stadium. There's that like moment of suspense on live TV. It was like there was nothing. Like even if he had sprinted over there, like this wasn't an infield fly pop up there. Like it, it moved faster than you thought it did. Okay, yeah, it, and it, um, yeah. I mean, Rafael Shihos, who scored that goal, is um, probably the best player on the fire. Even though Shakiri has looked much better since um, Frank Klopas took over. Um, that he, I mean, we just didn't, we just didn't mark him. Like, I still don't understand why Ivanovic didn't start either match this week. Obviously, he's going to be having a lot more playing time with uh, Bison and Alves. And I, I don't know how we're going to, especially now with the rings injury too, which we haven't 
I ha- I looked this morning. I haven't seen any more details on that at this point. Like, I have no idea how we're going to do three center backs anymore. Uh, I think we said ring is another groin monster. Yeah, stock rising groin monster. Groin demon, groin monster, whatever we're calling it. Whatever, that. just like, eh, that's this season. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's talk about that now, too, since you brought it up. This is a lot of injuries, period, and groin injuries. Is this a cramped schedule thing? Is it a strength and conditioning thing? Are we playing the guys too hard? Uh, what do you think is going on? It is, it, it's, in my mind, it's a scheduling thing. The fact that, yes, it's almost a little blessing that we lost to the fire. So we only have four weeks in a row of eight ma- Like MLS needs to have more than 20 senior roster spots. With League's Cup, okay, you're adding in a bunch of extra matches, and hopefully League's Cup will be cool. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I'll be in Australia and New Zealand for a couple of weeks of it down at the Women's World Cup, so I don't know how much of it, like, is there going to be League's Cup fire this summer? I don't know. Um, but it, we'll see if it works. But I hope it injects a bunch more money into the system so that we can justify to see, like, hey, the middle tier, your spot's, like, Six through 14 are much better on Liga Amekis teams and LAFC than they are in MLS for the most part. And it's a question of what do you need to be able to compete? And it's having some different roster rules. And I think you, at minimum, even if you're going to keep the silly system through the current CBA, that you need to add another two senior spots because like 20 senior spots is just not enough for all of these competitions. No, and I mean, we're playing in what feels like 100 goddamn competitions, and we have smaller rosters than, you know, uh, you get some European teams in, you know, Spain, you're playing in two in a lot of the, the lower um, teams in La Liga, yeah. uh, and they still, they're still getting higher roster spots, and it's much easier, too, for them to kind of swing players up and down um, out of the academy than it is for us. And yeah, I mean, no, like I- you mentioned, there are kind of some CBA reasons for that that... Yeah, and you, you, you want to make sure that there is some level of um, parity in the competition. And obviously, like, if you just allow truly unlimited spots, like, yes, there would be things that would, would go out of control. And the, and the parity of the league does make the league better. The fact that there is no big six in MLS is a, probably a bad thing for Apple TV ratings, but in my mind, a good thing for the league. Yeah, it's definitely a good thing for the league because, you know, you don't have this ingrained tradition with a Liverpool or a Barcelona or Bayern Munich or whoever you want to name there. It's like, oh, okay, LAFC is a big club. They've been around since, what, 2017? Yeah, and they missed the playoffs in 2021. Yeah, so, I mean, (laughs) it's not like there are these longstanding, like, pillars of the game (laughs) in MLS or anything. (laughs) But but it, it's interesting to see, like, one of the things that um, I am going to bring this back to Austin FC in a second, but looking at, like, right now, like, there's this perception that LA Galaxy were the club of MLS. And for the first two decades of the competition's existence, they were. They won five MLS Cups. Like, they were the standard bearer. They were the first team getting major – obviously, they had backup. They had players like Steven Gerrard. Roy Keane was there for years. Like you got to the point of like, they had established themselves as like the class of the league. And Landon Robbie Keane. Before. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I would have tuned this, in if Roy Keane was there. That would be fun too. But no, Robbie <laughs> Keane. Yes. No, I think uh, clearly still, it's still Monday morning here, but um, there's, but as you go through it there, the, They've gotten to a point this season where they are unequivocally the worst team in the league. And yes, Austin FC, of course, lost to them. But what happened with their fans on a megaphone going after them and their players just taking it Saturday night after losing at home to Charlotte was something I've never seen before. And I'll be curious 
if we continue to like if we get two or fewer points um, this week at home against Minnesota and RSL, do we start seeing scenes like that on our south end? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know there have been a lot of wolf out grumblings, and we um, we try to be optimistic here when we can. Um, and you heard it last week, you know, we weren't like, wow, Josh is the greatest coach ever or anything, but Hey, we made some adjustments and they kind of worked out. And then, you know, we brought it up. Other teams get to do tactics too. And we didn't adjust it all this week. And um, I mean, it was pretty simple formula for Chicago. As soon as they scored, they just um, basically nixed our midfield Um, a little help from some ticky tack calls from the uh, official who I thought had a bad night, but didn't, you know, cost us the game or anything. Yeah. Um, which game am I talking about? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a Actually, I mean, I didn't think Ted Uncle was not especially bad on Saturday, all things considered. Uh, he was really inconsistent. There were some, especially on Danny and Jafal, some things that, you know, they would try to recover the ball and they would get called for a foul. Fine. It's, you know, I don't think it's a foul. Fine, whatever. But then, you know, the same thing would happen the other way and there's no whistle and, you know, at that point as a midfielder you're just sort of like all right i'm on a yellow card i'm guessing i guess i'll just sort of play a little more off the guy and obviously creates more space i guess like you could you can find issues with that in every single match yeah it's just it's easier when you're oh it's wood wood it's like we're trying to get into the gi here like if, and like when you're in a rivalry match you feel like calls more calls are going against you than they actually are because you want to win the game even more yeah. so and, and it, it, we're just not objective observers of it. Yeah, and there's no, like, Danny Pereira gets shoved over in the box and there's no call type of thing in this game. Yeah. Um, although I thought there was maybe a moment that we had – I think I'm actually mixing this up with something. But, um, yeah, that was actually a different game. I watched too much soccer this weekend. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story of the weekend is uh, – or the week that was is we, you know – somebody decides to cancel out our midfield. Uh, we're turning the ball over a lot in there and we can't recover. I know on Wednesday, it, granted, Jerdan Shakiri used to be one of, you know, top 50 player in the world. He's lost a couple steps, but the tactic or the technical skill is still there, but you would act like, or you would think our back line had never seen around the corner pass before in their lives. Yeah, no, our back line, like I, Outside of Violet in the Dominican Republic, which was obviously that's what it was, that was the least effort I have seen an Austin FC team give this year. And like that is, is that the coach's fault? Is that the player's fault? Like that was, you had four rotations from the um, win over Toronto. You're playing at home both matches. The weather was particularly nice. Like it wasn't, like I, I can't explain the lack of effort on Wednesday. That was, Flat out unacceptable. I mean, is it a cup thing? Because I, you know, we look pretty good against New Mexico United. Granted, that's a USL I mean, that's team. A USL but... team. I, I don't know if it was a, like I just don't know what it was. Like it just seems like there's a. It is a question of do you blame the coach or do you blame the players? And I mean, honestly, the best ten minutes of that match we played were the first ten coming out of the second, coming out of the half there. Um, as we're going through. Um, that process there there's a um like when we came out there like i was like okay i I actually the fire i mean they did it again on saturday against new england they blew a lead twice that is a team that has already dropped 12 points from leading positions this season like for the first 10 minutes of the second half we came out with momentum i bet josh actually gave him a pretty good cooking in the locker room there you had um 
we had halftime subs in both matches this week. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, I think the one Saturday was a little more of a, hey, we need legs, Hector, can you go out and give us 45? Yes, but still. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, there's subs, but I'm with you. Wednesday was a lot of effort, but there's still, you know, we talk about this a lot. There's no plan B. Yes. Uh, and I mean, we still have the problem where when we do actually turn someone over, we don't counter, we pull it out, fine, whatever. I think we've all depressingly accepted this is how Josh Wolf wants to play. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll do the, uh, Brad always likes to be Mr. Cheerful on here, so I'll go ahead and read it out. We are literally out of the playoffs just on goal differential right now, and we have a game in hand, so it could be worse. <laughs> I was about to say, if Sporting Kansas City had scored one or more, or I always forget it, what the next tiebreaker is in the league. These are things I don't hope to be looking up in October. But Usually yeah, no, scored, for... but I don't know about MLS. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we were having a debate uh, among a few of us because La Liga is having a wild, wild relegation race where you have um, six, seven teams, six of whom will be safe, one of whom will be relegated next Sunday. But it doesn't work entirely on goal differential because but it, if you have two or three teams that, or even four teams that are tied on points, it's just among the goal differential among those teams, not the entire league. So not even the points among the teams, like round robin. No, it's, it's points among those teams and then goal okay. differential among those teams. Okay. But only in games that they've played them with each other. I mean, I don't think that's the worst system. I, I think it's actually a, it's a more confusing system because it takes more time to do the permutations, but I think it's ultimately fair. Just because you lost 7-0 to Real Madrid shouldn't impact like whether you get promoted or relegated. Um. I mean, it's an imperfect system, but yeah, especially on like a multi-team tiebreaker, I like kind of the, hey, how you guys played each other uh, makes more sense. Yeah, and you really can't do that. I mean, you could do that in most years in MLS because at least among your conference, your playing keeps coming away. But I mean, this is the second time we've had to go to Houston this year. And I will say the one saving grace of losing to Chicago is that we did not have to play the Dynamo three times in four weeks, even though the last two would have been at home. It's just a lot of playing the Houston Dynamo, and nothing good can happen from that, even if we have still never lost to them or even drawn them at home. Yeah, and I mean, let's jump into the Dynamo game a little bit more. Like you said, it's a rivalry game. Um, we get a nice goal um, pretty mm-hmm. early on, uh, Lima. So we kind of shifted, and Ring was doing this, and then we slotted Lima in the same spot where the center backs are pushing even higher than they were before, where they're almost playing like where the wing backs were when we were in yes. a back four. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually not a terrible spot for someone like Lima to be in as sort of like a hybrid center right back. Uh, yeah, I mean, and... as long as you don't like Nick Lima's biggest problem is that he's short, so you're <laughs> not you don't want him ever to be used as a traditional center center back. But he he's probably I mean, Vice and obviously when he's healthy can do about the same. But he's one of the best guys at hitting long passes. I mean, obviously he's infamous for his horrendously long shots. But long passes is something that, and long crosses, like as long as he can find a runner, or like he's probably one of the best guys on the team there. Um, yeah, and I mean, he hits a great whip cross. There's nobody marking Zardes for some reason. Um, and he hits a perfect header into the ground, into the side netting. Keeper has no chance. Like we kind of talked about the Seattle one. Is that where he meant to do it? That one he meant. Yeah, that um, one he meant. And like that one was, wow, we have an obvious runner in the middle. Let's get the guy the ball and he scores. Yeah, and I, I actually thought this might have been his best game for Austin. Uh, Lima or Zardes? Zardes. 
I could actually make the case for either one. Like they both played. They're the only two guys uh, I'm going to give praise to out of this performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, Stuver, Stuver played, Stuver played well, all things considered too. He made some big saves, but there's a, um, no, I mean, and also it was Zardis's 100th goal in the league, joining the MLS 100 club, which, I mean, it's not a big list of people there that have scored 100 goals in the league. I mean, as you go through it here, as I'm pulling it up here, I should have had this all ready to go. I mean, he is now the 13th guy ever in league history to do this. The uh, The funny one is, who? let's see, give you a, Devin, a little trivia question here. His next goal, he will tie which MLS legend with 101 goals? Uh, Josh Wolf? No, Josh Wolf is not in the 100 goal club. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who would have uh, dropped. Well, I'll give you there are two guys on 101 goals. One of them is very active and uh, Joseph Martinez. And okay. the other oh, one yeah. is um, retired, but still very much involved with the league. Uh, retired, but still very much involved in the league. I'm going to overthink this, but um, I don't know. Tell me. Your own St. Louis boy, Taylor Twelman. Ah, I almost guessed him. All right. Well, but I, I will say the only player who's retired on 100 goals, this one would be too hard to get, um, but is none other than Edson Buttle. Yeah, I think they mentioned that on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, old, yeah. Uh, old teammate of Zardes and... Uh, yeah, actually a pretty good player uh, in MLS. One of those uh, kind of classic MLS strikers who could never quite make the jump in international play. But, I mean, that's a long, 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 long list of, of guys. Yeah, I mean, he had a, he was on a few of the U.S. Gold Cup B rosters, but never, yeah. never a star. No, um, but that's okay. I mean, we need those guys. Yeah. Uh, he, scored, he scored three goals for the national team. Yeah. Um, you know. All in friendly. He's... Yeah. Uh, you know, they count. Unless they're for Harry Kane, then they don't. Yeah. Um, none of his goal, his international goals count. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, somebody put together a great list about that. Because, um, oh like, you know, 15 of them are penalties or something. And, yes. um, yeah, it, it's a good lookup. I can find it. But um, back to the point. Uh, so Lima had a pretty nice night. I kind of like him in that spot, especially because we're short on guys. Uh, and if Josh finally decides to start playing Radovanovic, which he kind of has to now, he's left-footed. It was kind of your natural three, Julio at the pivot, left-footer on the left, right-footer on the right. Um, and then you can kind of do what what you will with the wing-backs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't think, you know, we talked about the lack of of kind of go against the fire. I didn't think we were lacking a ton of effort per se in the uh dynamo game i just yeah. thought our execution was bad and you know we had one idea and it kept not working yeah i think that's we're gonna run it down the side we're gonna get across i mean we got a, we did have a few other shots in the second half like there were some attempts but it i never felt like we were gonna score a second goal in that match no the only one that came close uh maxi had a pretty good lash yeah. at one on kind of like a broken play um when it was still one-to-one but yeah, uh, you know, we kind of packed it into we got our goal. And yeah, you had, I don't you know. had the Scott ball as well um, a few minutes before. That. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, but, but even I mean, that, it did feel like, I mean, there are, then again, it didn't feel like we were ever going to score in Seattle and we scored two goals in that match. So, like, we could have gotten something fluky and gotten it. But ultimately, I can't say that we didn't deserve to lose both of those matches. 
No, I mean, I would, I think a draw would have been fair on Saturday. We definitely deserved to lose to the fire. And I mean, we didn't go over the second goal, but it's kind of a, a classic of the genre. We're pushing a bunch of guys forward. Um, you know, they have a bunch of space and they finally exploit it. So yeah. um, I don't think anybody's going to get too worked up over that one. No. And I mean, I'll be, unless something weird happens in my life, I'll be at Bridgeview in eight days to hopefully watch the fire beat, knock out the Dynamo. So the Dynamo don't get to add another trophy to their cabinet. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Riley pointed out to me in uh, Bat Family Origin games, we're now 0-2. Yeah. Um, so we need to stop playing, at least at home, we need to stop playing the fire. And, um, I guess we can't get out of playing city on the road later, but, um, hopefully it's just a home thing. Yeah. Or hopefully it's just a weird 2023 thing. And you never know. I mean, I thought we would never win a game in Cascadia because we hadn't even gotten, we'd only gotten one draw up there in two years. And now we've gotten a draw and a win so far this year. So things are funny on that. Yeah, it's a crazy league and things change and um, trend lines are erratic. The moral of the story is don't bet on MLS unless you want to lose a lot of money. Uh, yeah, or unless you don't care. Yeah. Uh, do fun bets. You know, will yes. the uh, New England Revolution uh, and Philadelphia Union score be higher than um, however many points Luka Doncic gets tonight? That sort of thing. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> the answer is no, by the way. <laughs> the answer is absolutely no. Unless the bench and Luke had to go tank. But um, it's... Uh, no, I mean... It, yeah, it's it's not a... Um, but like, I, I will say, um, one of the things that like, we're going to start seeing, especially if we don't get results this week, more people wanting to see Wolf out. And I, I want to just say, like, yeah, am I thrilled with Josh Wolf at the moment? No. Um, what do I think sacking him mid season with all of these injuries is a fair thing to do? No. Like, do I think Dave Arno might be a slightly better manager? Sure. But do I know that well enough to actually be like, I want to go sack the manager right now? No, not really. I mean, I think one of the um, interesting things this week is going to see, um, is Drew able to come back into either of these matches? I think he's itching to play. I don't know if the, um, trainers and everyone else has given him the green Verde light yet, but um, uh, I'll be curious. I'll be following that trend line pretty closely this week. Yeah. And I would assume with the amount of injuries we have piled up, you know, your natural inclination is kind of to rush people back. So you have bodies, but I think they're going to take the opposite and say, Hey, it's much easier for you to kind of re-aggravate anything. We're going to take it slow with you and make sure you're absolutely ready to go. And that is the right decision at this point. Yes, it is. I agree. Um, on the and wolf anyone out, who's suggesting otherwise that we need to rush him back needs to get a quick, quick head check. No, um, as we pointed out, we're literally on goal difference by one goal out of the playoffs. I would much rather have a completely healthy Drew UC for the uh, for the playoffs than have him get into one of those. Well, he got he, you know twinged his hamstring or something. Okay, there's another injury, and he's six weeks in, a couple weeks back, six weeks out. Yada yada yada. Yeah, I mean, you can even see how we've been playing Diego, like getting to that point of like, okay, you start looking at players there and you're like, okay, where like he's come back, but he's mostly been coming off the bench. He's getting into a world there where it's like, okay, we actually want to be cautious with this, which makes sense. I mean, maybe Wednesday is the time that he does get a start, but like it's four, four straight matches where he's come off the bench. Yeah, and he, he looked a lot better. Um, the little He's looked better and better each game. Uh, or at least more Diego-like, I guess. Yeah. And I, I would hope that, I mean, 
if Drew C is good enough to go, I'd love to see him come off the bench on Wednesday or Saturday. But I don't, I don't expect to see him starting this week unless we have like he's good, really good to go, not just like oh my god, we're panicking. Yeah, and especially not having a midweek in that uh, U.S. Open Cup slot, I think they might just put him on the shelf until uh, the game after RSL. Yeah, which is at Sporting KC, and then we're off um, for a week and a half. And what's interesting is at first I was like, okay, Leo's going to have to go to Finland. Well, that's not happening anymore. Um, What you call it, Danny will be going, uh, but he'll be staying in the U.S. for um, some Venezuela friendlies. But I don't think anyone else, I mean, and honestly, Gallagher's form in the last few weeks isn't going to probably lead to an Ireland call-up. So, um, yeah, at least that should give, like, the guys, I mean, after RSL, we have one match in 18 days, which we need, I, I just, the players are burnt out. I feel like the fans are burnt out. Like, this has just been too much. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of games thick and fast. Um, we have Owen out at the uh, U20 World Cup, too. Yeah, I mean, those, well, he'll be, he should be back by the, um, the what you call it, the Dallas-Houston combo week. Um, yeah. Um, after the international break. I was speaking of that, like, Owen's look pretty good, and the U.S. has a great um, – has about as good of a draw, which means we'll probably screw it up because we're the U.S. That's but, what um, we do. Um, U.S. gets New Zealand tomorrow at 1230. Um, we should have um, Kevin Paredes in the lineup there. We should have uh, Roman Pushkas as well. So, like, it'll be a full um, U20 side. Um, like, it should be fun. Like, I mean, New Zealand is a good team. Let's not get ourselves here. Uh, but, like, that's a match the U.S. on paper should win. And then the next round would be against the winner of Gambia, who did beat France. Um, and France didn't make it out of the group stage of the U-20s. But um, – and then Gambia and Uruguay. And Brazil is the only other really good team in our half. I mean, Argentina, Nigeria, England, Italy are all on the other side of the bracket. Like, mm-hmm. if there's ever a time to make a deep run in a tournament like this, there it is. Yeah, and uh, are we getting Paxton Aronson back now that uh, Eintracht season's over? No, 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 Eintracht season's not over. Um, there um, in the final of the DFB Pokal on Saturday against RB Leipzig. Okay, so that's why he's still hanging around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's one of their biggest matches in club history, and no one wants to see, outside of maybe the um, 21 members of RB Leipzig, no one really wants to see um, Leipzig win the Pokal for uh, in consecutive years. Energy drink soccer, woo no, just like destroying German traditions day in and day out. <laughs> what are Austrians good for? Uh, uh, that's a deep cut uh, energy joke rivalry for you guys. Yeah, um, I was about to say, like it is <laughs> going into all sorts of things. They make a good soccer tort, and that's about the nicest thing I'm going to say right now. Yeah, there we go. Um, but regarding Owen, I saw there's a little bit of, you know, hey, we're down some injury guys, some chatter. Um, you know, why did we release him? Well, there's a lot of reasons why we released him. Uh, one, it's the right thing to do to let your guys that you're progressing forward um, have their shine on the national stage. It's good for their development. So it'll make him a better player in the long run. Um, if you want to take a more cynical approach, um, it makes him a more saleable asset. Uh, and he's probably not playing his whole career here, whether Josh is around or not. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, already been linked with a couple of clubs in Europe. I know PSV kind of strongly. Uh, we'll see what comes out of that. Um, it's also a signal to your other homegrown and academy guys, hey, we're going to let you take this U.S. national team route. Um, so, I mean, maybe you can say we shouldn't have released him two weeks before the tournament started. 
Um, maybe you have something there, but uh, the idea that we would hold him back, like what's happening with Paxton Aronson, where uh, Eintracht Frankfurt has bigger fish to fry than, you know, early season, or I guess we're in mid-season now, uh, MLS games. Yeah, and if um, we look at it, okay, we could have, okay, New Mexico, we didn't need him. We won 2-0. Nope. Yeah, would it have been nice to have him uh, against Frisco? Sure, yes. But, like, at a point, like, it's a national team. Like, getting a national team call-up is a big deal. The U.S. has never finished better than fourth this tournament. And we have a – I mean, obviously, if we get past New Zealand, getting past Gambia or Uruguay will still be hard. But, like, the best the U.S. has ever finished in this tournament is fourth. And that was leading into the 90-94 and run. Like, some of these guys on this U20 team have a legit shot of making the 2026 roster. We mm-hmm. want to have them get experience like this. Like, this is very, very important. And people who are just like, yeah, I mean, there's the days of club over country, and I get that. But at a certain point, like, come on, you have a chance to play for the national team. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't, you know, Erling Holland and Jack Grealish who are on a billion pounds a week pulling out of England and Norway games. It's, you know, for <laughs> Man City who is playing for, you know, a, a historic treble, Champions League, uh, Premier League, FA Cup win. It's a few MLS regular season games. In open, like, yeah, it's Austin FC. Let's lower the temperature like two to three degrees here. <laughs> like, this is not the end of the world, but some people don't know how to control their emotions. And that's nothing new. That happens in all levels of everything. Yeah. And I mean, it shows they care. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the story with Owen. And the other, like, the one position we're not having people get injured left and right in is central midfield. So yeah. if there's a place we have guys to cover, other than, I guess you could say striker, um, yeah. it's central midfield. So it's not like yeah. we're running guys into the ground or anything at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, Valencia and Jeff Al have both been fine for what they needed to do. Obviously, they, they both still have significant room to grow, but like, they're playing a serviceable MLS guys. Yeah. I mean, they're basically replacement MLS players and they're doing fine. Yeah. Um, I did want to go back and, uh, and talk a little bit about the, the wolf out phenomenon yes. uh, as the crowd or the, uh, the crowing increases in a uh, volume. Um, there's a couple of problems with firing wolf. You touched on one of them. Like, who are you going to, you know, are you going to hire someone to take over a completely injured roster, probably promote Davey Arnault, but there's kind of the more glaring one. We don't have a sporting director. And uh, we don't part have of the sporting reason... director, we have an owner who... Handpicked. It's... Well, it's, it's it's an owner who has no football vision. He has a culture vision, but like, I don't know what Anthony Precourt's football vision is. Become Columbus uh, is what it seems to be, but... Yeah, but like that is that that's more on the business side of the house of let's go with known quantities. Yeah. But like it is like even if like we're still gonna be fans of this team if this team doesn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like is that enough to get Josh fired? Like, I don't know. like especially depending on all of these injuries, like there's only so much you can yes, like we were extraordinarily lucky last year and a lot of people think our injury luck last year was normal and not extraordinarily lucky yeah and i mean i think that's part of this too there's a certain amount of injuries you get and i'm not saying like oh well we didn't use our two injuries this year so we're we're getting double injuries this year or anything like that i think there's something deeper going on but um yeah it happens 
sometimes, but I, I don't know if we, if we don't make the playoffs, I'm going to be firmly in the wolf out um, camp. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, if we like, I'm fine with it. It's just like, what is the plan? Like you have to give me an alternative here. You have to get to a world where if it's going to be wolf out, you have to provide, it's like an election of sorts. Yeah, I might not like X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z might get so bad that you're like, just replace him with anyone. And I I could could see that. But like, if it is a, we miss the playoffs on goal differential, or we make it to the play-in game, the 8-9 play-in game, and lose 4-0 to like Portland or something. Yeah, I can see it. Like, But just give me, you got to give me a good plan. And Wolf has not gotten so egregious yet that I'm going to be like, you need to fire him with no plan because then you become leads and thankfully you can't get relegated from MLS because oh gosh no but I'll also make the point too that at some point and I'll use a, a hockey analogy here at some point the whole team is playing so bad you pull the goalie yeah um you can't you know fire everybody on the team <laughs> so you got to do something to make a change uh and I don't think we're there yet like we said we had a pretty good week um two weeks ago so there's a little bit of hope in there um you know, you can see the Galaxy guys are not there. And, I mean, we can see it in Toronto, too. Um, the team's not at that point yet. I think we're, you know, there's some rumblings about some discomfort. Maybe we're on our way there, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, but let's kind of rewind. I mean, I, I will say there is one thing that would get me on board with a midseason firing of Josh Wolf, And is we've started to hear rumblings, and I've gotten messages, and others have as well, that players are unhappy with him. If there is a, any public player statement against him that is like, he has screwed up, and here is exactly what he has screwed up beyond the formations and beyond other things like that. If he, if there's clear evidence that he has lost the locker room, that is clearer than cryptic text and things like that. Then, like, yeah, I think I would be okay with the midseason sacking. But then the question is, is DVR know that, or is he part of the problem too? And how fast can you find someone else to bring in? It's not like. There's a lot of fantasies like, oh, we're going to go bring in Tata Martino. He speaks Spanish. He won MLS. Yeah. We don't have Miguel Almiron. We don't have a Joseph Martinez on this team. We that don't have team... six designated players or whatever the hell they had. <laughs> no, I mean, they, 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 they played the market well. They had owners. That, I mean, Uncle Arthur was willing to spend whatever it took there. And I mean, obviously, we're spending a lot of money right now, but we're spending money on just rewarding players who are here. And it's just really, it's really funny to me that the loudest people in Wolf Out are people who are praising all the front office moves that are now going to hamstring us from reinventing the roster. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we have an ownership that's charging us $18 for jellyfish. And like you mentioned, uh, in Atlanta, they have reasonable concessions. We're talking about two very different things here. Atlanta also didn't have to build a soccer-specific stadium, which is the reason why the people in Atlanta complain they never get to see the U.S. men's national team play because they're unwilling to put in a consistent grass field at Mercedes-Benz. But it is, yeah, you can do that when you didn't have to go spend hundreds of millions of dollars building a stadium because you already were building the stadium for the Falcons anyways. Yeah, Uh, a double cost at least, or a double-use cost. But, I mean, let's rewind a little bit so people kind of know what we're talking about. Yeah, Josh Wolf was hired uh, as the head coach before he hired a sporting director. If you're kind of newer to soccer, there's different ways clubs are run, but generally you'll have a guy who's a sporting director, and his job is sort of like to run the um, day-to-day football operations, kind of like a GM in a lot of North American yeah. sports, where um, they'll pick the head coach and they'll kind of be 
um, hey, I picked this coach because he has this, you know, offensive vision or only wants to play Catanaccio or we're going to try to play Tiki Talk or something like that. And that's where kind of this thing that we talk about every now and then, too. Um, oh, I want to have this whole vision down throughout the academy. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to come from the sporting director, but it's a way some clubs are run. And so traditionally, your sporting director hires your coach. So it was really weird that we had a coach before a sporting director. And I mean, I'm not going to get into the Reina stuff because <clears throat> he's gone. But I mean, do we have any lead on if we're hiring a new sporting director, if that's going to impact whether Josh stays or goes, if we're waiting to see how Josh pans out? Do you have any kind of information on that? Nope, I have no information on that. And as much as like we criticize things at the U.S. Federation level, even the U.S. Federation, it's like they've hired a sporting director and now they're going to look for a manager. That is the normal way of doing things. And I hope that I would love to see an announcement from ownership by the end of next month of, hey, Sean Rubio is our guy. Great. I'm fine with that if that's the case. Or we are going, we are interviewing people for finalists here and that we hope to have, I want to have a confirm sporting director in place for this next summer signing window. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like the window's coming up. It's bearing yeah. down on us. Yeah. July so, 5th to August 2nd. Yeah. And I mean, that work doesn't start on July 5th. So that work start, I mean, that work started over a year ago, to be fair. Yeah. But it is still, um, like, you need to have someone ready to go. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, are you going to just kind of, hand, you know, we kind of talked about Davey Arnault as a little bit of a stopgap at the coaching job. If, you know, something happens and Wolf gets fired, are we just doing that with Sean Rubio in the future of the club? I mean, there are, there are deeper problems. Ha-ha, U.S. soccer fans will recognize this than just, you know, Josh Wolf seems to be a little slow on some tactical changes and things like that. Well, I think it's you've gotten to a point where a lot of people were coasting off the success of last year and didn't figure out what was actually needed to, to be done to take the next step. And we've taken two or three steps backwards this year. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it. That's not just on the field. That's off the field, too. And obviously, the Claudio stuff hasn't helped. But it just seems like there is this sort of malaise around the players around the front office among fans it's just weird yeah and i mean it's almost like a you called it a malaise mr jimmy carter but it's uh it's almost like a weird gloom and like you know this is a podcast called suffering from joy like we've been around it before but it's not good and like when you have the everything feels a little gloomy you're in a bad spot and i mean maybe the solution isn't Firewolf, maybe they, you know, we just need people to get healthy and bang in a few goals. Zardes is scoring now. Maybe that helps lift us out. Uh, I mean, that's three and three MLS matches for him. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, something needs to be done. Yes. And I don't know what something is. Otherwise, I would be getting paid a lot more money to run that team. Um, yeah. But... And th th there's a reason why we are fans of the podcast and that we both get paid to do other things in the world and provide value to people that are not related to this beautiful game. Yeah. Um, we would care too much. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, so you kind of mentioned like a little bit of a player revolt. I mean, do we know anything if it's like specific players, like a group of players, you know, is everybody Maddie still refuses to wear Verde? Um, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I know I keep bringing this up as a joke, but like, he's had a little bit of like goes at the fans before, which are yeah. things you don't really have. I don't think an experienced coach would do something like that, uh, at least in the same manner. 
for such an experienced player at both a domestic and international level, it's amazing how much like Twitter and other things get to him. Like yeah. it just, I, it, it confounds me as a yeah. person who like is a public official in my day life. Like I don't let the Twitter comments and other things get to me. Like, and I'm just like an advisor to a CEO of a school district, much less a manager of a team. Like, why do you read all the toxic crap? I don't know. Yeah, like, have you ever been on Twitter before? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or are you, are you diving into is his burner on the We Are Austin TV spaces? Is his burner his guy listening to this crap? Like, <laughs> yeah, Josh, if you're listening, like, we'll we'll set up a meeting and we'll tell you some very nice things about you. But uh, we we got to talk. Yeah, um, one of our uh, tens or hundred. I think we were over a hundred last um, podcast, so we're getting better. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of weird about that whole situation is like, there is no known quantity, Josh. It's not like we were like, okay, first hire head coach guy with 20 years experience and a track record. So it's really hard to benchmark both the team. Cause obviously there is no Austin FC before Josh Wolf, you can benchmark or Josh. So like how you would rate him versus other coaches, um, you know, Brendan Rogers kind of famously has this like three, three and a half year cycle where after, you know, you have a good couple of years, kind of starts to wobble and then like year three to three and a half like turns into abject shit which is why Lester in the championship um well also yeah they bought him no players well yeah they ran out of money otherwise they would have fired him at the beginning of the year yeah um hold a whole different problem just sort of highlighting hey there's a coach where you know what's going to happen and you don't know that with Josh and you don't know you can't say okay well Austin was good with you know whoever before this because there's no Austin so you almost like handcuffed yourself from the get-go hiring josh that way yeah and like josh was hired almost two years before this team uh kicked its first pass in la and which is like an almost unheard of lead in time but you know what i will give him credit josh wolf has survived longer as manager of a team once we played the first game than he was from before that that's not always the case in this game yeah and i think you know i'm I'm very much, uh, you know, everybody who listens to this knows I'm an Arsenal fan. Arsenal is very much a, hey, let's give you time to succeed type of club historically. Um, they are not Chelsea where you fire managers 75 times a year just because they lose a game. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be a club that does that. Like, I'm fine yeah. to give some guys time to to cook and get their system set. I guess kind of the problem here is, okay, we had a system. You know, we talked about it in the first podcast of this year. Uh, we got found out at the end of last year, and it was, you know, it kind of got masked over by the run to the the final, um, the Western Conference final. But, uh, you know, we were tanking a little bit towards the end of last year and carried over into this year. We did what every fan loves whenever things aren't working. You switch to a back three. Um, talk to any fan base that's struggling and they will tell you it's time to switch to a back three. Um, and, you know, that sort of got like, I think that was the way we should have been playing from the outset this year. But yeah. Uh, at least with the way Josh wants to use the wings, we can get into a deeper dive another time about how I would actually set this team up. But um, where do we go? Like, does Josh have any more moves? Because um, obviously this worked a little bit and we started to look better. And now, okay, you lock out our midfield. Fuck, where do we go? We have nothing to do. Yeah, our next move is let's hope, um, what you call it, let's hope Drew C gets back as fast as possible and he becomes a midsummer 2022 Sebastian Driussi and opens up so many other opportunities on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all we can do <laughs> right now. Um, 
I don't. Do you want to give any stock rising? So we'll do quick stock rising, stock falling. Um, uh, stock rising. I already did a facetious one there for our, our groin demon. Um, yeah. But um, I would say, I mean, continuing with it, I mean, Sardis is looking like a guy who deserves to be a striker in MLS. Like, we'll give him that credit there. And, like, that is that is something that is real and is appreciated. Yeah, I would pick him or uh, I think um, Jafal or kind of general midfield depth because uh, yeah. we've given Valencia a few of these um, looking pretty good. So yeah. uh, we'll take some positives out of that. Stock falling. Uh, lots Stock of choices falling, here. Um, I mean, I went with Redis last week. He provided nothing of value this week. Uh, but there was a um, – but Rigoni again. Like, Drew C is out. Alex Ring has been stepping up, obviously, pre-injury to – to frankly, DP levels. He has done what he has been asked to do this season, going all over things, the site being stripped of the captain's arm, man. He's probably been the team MVP through three months. Yeah, I think so. That's a good call. Like, he's done what he has been asked to do. Great. Rigoni, like, I've been trying to give you chances here. And yes, you've been showing some promise, but like, I felt like he was invisible this week. Yeah, there were points uh, on Saturday that I forgot he was on the pitch. And if you're a DP playmaker, that's probably not a good thing. Uh, if you're a center back, it might be a good thing. But yeah. um... <laughs> if you're a keeper, it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice but, picnic. Yeah. It's just uh, like, wh- where is his, like, if we have a fully healthy 11, I'm not convinced he makes it. Um, That'd be tough. Uh, I I think you'd at least look at rotating him. Oh, you know, like, uh, but like, if I were to put together, if you have a fully healthy Diego and a fully healthy Ethan, fit, healthy Ethan Finley, they look better than him right now, which is terrifying. Which, by the way, I thought Finley was fine for most of this week. He actually played yeah. fairly well uh, when he was on the pitch. But there was one god awful like through ball. I think it was Saturday, um, where yeah, because Zardes played it to him, and uh, he was off to the races, and it just hit him in the back of the. <laughs> The heel. And I mean, it happens, right? Like you see much better players than Ethan Finley have this happen to them. Um, yeah. But like just the thud of the ball coming off of his heel was like, fuck, we're having one of those days, aren't we? Um, and, you know, it, happens shot, sometimes. It, it looks a lot worse than it is. Yeah. Like sometimes like crap happens in this league. And you're just like, oh, even if you're a professional, like it doesn't, everything doesn't get figured out there. Um. All right, so I guess my uh, stock falling, I'm going to go with the uh, strength and conditioning team or, you know, I don't know. I'm not singling them out. They might be saying, don't play these guys. They're going to get hurt and Josh is playing them anyways. But some sort of strength and conditioning or, you know, rotation or maybe we'll give it to the MLS schedule makers or the Qatar World Cup or whatever the hell you want to do. Whoever's in charge of our health and, call it, and um, you know, causing all these injuries, uh, groin demon, uh, who already has a stock falling, uh, whatever it is, um, it's not great. And I think we could very much be in a deep, deep, deep spiral if Ring is out for an extended period of time. Yep, I agree there. Because uh, I think he's holding together more um, the back than, you know, you see on the surface. Because um, that yeah, back line I... is about communication, too. Yeah, I'm especially no Ring, no Vicodin, no Dreams. <laughs> like, this is this is scary stuff. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we get a, a healthy Diego back sooner rather than later and we can stretch together a couple wins. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll go at it on Wednesday and 
you know, we'll uh, we'll see what will happen. What was your uh, biggest moment of suffering from this week? The biggest moment of suffering was probably the fire getting that second goal because I was like, we're really losing to the Chicago fire at home? Like, ugh. And I have enough friends here in Chicago who are fire fans, and they were just so stunned that we looked so bad. Um, yeah, it was it was a nail in the coffin. We were actually pressing, you know, not it wasn't like let's fold it in like it was against Houston. Like we were pressing a bit towards uh, an equalizer. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was just nail in the coffin. But uh, I did get uh, my mother in law is like aggressively Chicago Polish. Yeah, and uh, so she, uh, we had lunch with them uh, over the weekend, and she's like, "Oh, they played the fire. Like, are there any uh, the Chicago happy Polish players?" And I was like, "Yeah, they scored the last goal of the game is Casper uh, Przbilko. So if you can spell that for me, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and um, buy you a drink next time we uh, hang out." But um, and, no. and he's getting paid one point two million dollars a year. Like he is, he is sort of their Zardes equivalent, and he has just like Zardes has started to look better in the last few weeks. But most Fire fans would love to dump his contract right now. Well, he is national team caps, doesn't he? Yeah, but not recently. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for uh, a combination of the announcer and the first goal in Houston because I'm tired of eternal hatchet man Hector Herrera uh, scoring against us and then listening to commentators be like, oh, he's such a silky player. He's not. Like, maybe by MLS standards, he's a good passer. But, yeah. like, this guy was a hatchet man for fucking Diego Simeone, who is, like, the king of hatchet men. Yes. and coached a whole team of hatchet men and did very successful with it. I'm not, like, ragging on it as a strategy necessarily. Yeah. But um, this is not, you know, like Leo Messi or some, you know, guy famous for dancing around. Um, and, you know, the announcer who uh, I think he speaks fluent Spanish um, is going, Ache, Ache, um, which as you know, speak Spanish, HH in um, Spanish for Hector Herrera. But he's saying it with this like thick over American accent. I'm like, you speak Spanish. What are you doing? <laughs> like, habla en español, por favor. No, I, it is getting to a point of, you either speak in one as someone, especially in previous jobs, who it's necessary to hablar in Spanglish. Like you go switch back and forth between the languages. Like just switch back and forth between the languages a little bit. And yeah. MLS, you have Spanish announcers. Eric Krakauer is choosing to announce in English, and that's probably for the best of everyone. <laughs> well, I mean, if uh, if we get to a point where all we're complaining about is uh, announcers not having the proper accent to. Uh, um to announce a game or commentate on players, we're probably in a good spot, right? Yeah, we all take that. That that is a level of suffering I can be comfortable with. Yeah, um, but I don't I don't like getting scored on by Hector Herrera. So can we like fucking stop? Yeah, um, and it was another kind of like low trash goal. Their last goal was absolute. Like it's a fucking hockey goal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I spent the whole game being like, well, let's just get a greasy like whatever ball pings around the box, tap it in, and then whoop! Um, right when it seems like we're going to get out of there with a point. Uh, and actually salvage something for Copa Tejas. Uh, that was a bad goal to give up. I kept hoping, you know, there's a handball bar, but um, it was clean. And yeah, uh, it's a bad week, but um, we go again. Uh, anything else you want to add here? Yeah, um, we go again. We get to play uh, Minnesota and RSL next week. Um, Wednesday at home against Minnesota. Saturday at home against RSL. Minnesota has been a Minnesota and RSL actually played on Saturday. They played a one-one draw. Uh, with an own goal, and um, it was a pretty ugly match. They had a combined five shots on target between both teams. Um, it was not the prettiest of football. Like, this is 
a chance. I mean, RSL did beat Colorado twice, once in the league and once in Open Cup. But like these are these are matches that are completely winnable and completely losable. <laughs> like it is like you we can come back on the pod here next week and be like, we got six points this week. Things are probably be similar to Seattle Toronto week. Like, okay, yeah. that was good, but not amazing. Or yeah. it could be like we lost both of these matches and ooh, the pressure on Wolf out and everything else will especially if Tracy doesn't play, go way, way up. No outcome will surprise me this week. No, and I mean, maybe it's everybody's happy on Wednesday and we're wolf out on Saturday, or maybe everybody's wolf out on Thursday and we're happy on Sunday. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah I will say RSL has um, never won, never gotten a draw. I mean, I guess they sort of technically got a draw in the PK game in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think year. they're going to count um, that. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota, we have played Minnesota horrendously at home. We did beat them last year, but in the infamous um, casserole of sadness game where we somehow plucked out a goal there um, to win 1-0, and we lost 1-0 to them at home in the 2021 campaign. Um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Uh, do we know if Reynoso's playing? Reynoso is still, they said four to six weeks, which does not mean, which means he should not be playing. Okay. Um, which means he will play and he'll score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would be happy for a variety of reasons to not see him on the field, but um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think we'll see him. I think he's still a few weeks. I, I think that we won't see him until after the international break. But yeah, if the, all the pistol whipping stuff is true, he should never see the pitch again. No. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I haven't dug deep enough in that to see anything, but I'm with you. If that's, you know, even remotely close to true, that's uh that's a get out of the league, please. Uh, for me. Yeah, no, it's just, it, it is disappointing. And I will say like, as much as I talk things, like the fact that like uh, Dante Van Zier is back and starting for the New York Red Bulls. If that were here at Austin, that would not have happened. And I will have to give our ownership, sporting directors, and other people credit that we at least have some values that um, energy drinks and other people don't seem to have in this league. Brought it all back to energy drinks. Well done, Seth. Hey. Uh, tied, up, tied us up in a nice little bow there. Uh, all right. Well, let's get a win. Let's get some goals. Uh, and hopefully this will be a better week. Um, but until then, uh, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double point. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.